You're listening to Done With The Dumb Stuff, hosted by Next Level Success Coach, Empowerment Speaker, Arthur, and founder of the Phenomenal Woman Empowerment Network, Sharice L. Irby. Sharice is a storyteller at heart, so the topics and discussions are woven with her real-life experiences and are selected to empower, encourage, equip, and elevate listeners to live their best, most authentic lives. Get ready for a different perspective and listen. L. Irby, and I am back with another episode of Done With The Dumb Stuff. Okay, this episode hits a little close to home and is one of those topics that I really have not talked about in depth publicly. Uh, Very few private venues Uh, I may have said a word or two, but I have not gone into as much detail as I am going to with this episode. Uh, So this is epic. (laughs) Uh, Today's episode is the fact of the matter. Yes, you heard me say the fact, F-A-T, of the matter. As you know, if you've seen my pictures and you follow me and you're looking at the videos, I am a full-figured, voluptuous woman uh, embracing all of my roles and curves and, you know, double chins, whatever it may be, you know, flabby arms. Um, But it was a journey to get to this place to fully accept all of me in all of my fabulousness. It didn't always start out that way. You know, I, I kind of joke and tell people when I do talk about this subject that, you know, I've been a big girl all my life. And literally, I mean that. Uh, when my mother gave birth to me in the hospital, as of that date, I was the biggest baby girl that had been born. And I believe I was nine pounds and some odd ounces. And the doctors and nurses, they came in from all different departments to lay their eyes on little old me. I guess I wasn't little, huh? Uh, On big old me, uh, because I was the biggest baby girl to that date born at that particular hospital. So I came here a big girl. I came here full, you know, and and I've been a big girl ever since. Now, my weight fluctuates. So depending on what year, what month you catch me, I can be anywhere from a size 12 to a size 28, just depending on when you catch me. Uh, and, And that has been the story of my life. And it's been a difficult journey. And, and that's unfortunate. It should not have been a difficult journey and we should have more grace, more compassion and just more humanity toward each other's differences than what we have. Um, But that has not been my experience. And for many women, men who are different, it is not their experience. You know, uh, elementary school, you know, I was fine. It wasn't until I entered high school that I really 
well, let me rewind that junior high. Junior high is when seventh and eighth grade for the part of the country that I live in is when it really stood out to me that my weight was an issue. <laughs> People were not necessarily gonna love me for me. They were not going to get to know me for me. They were going to look at my weight and then they were gonna make a judgment. Uh, my mother, my parents divorced when I was uh, 12. And so for seventh grade, they divorced at the end of my, my sixth grade year. For seventh grade, we had moved, we were in a different um, area of town, so different school district. And my mother sent me to a school that was predominantly Caucasian. There were only you know, three non-Caucasian, uh, one Hispanic, and it was two, two Blacks. I was one of the two. Uh, and the other thing is, you know, there weren't a lot of people who were, you know, overweight. There wasn't a lot of big people. Um, you know, they were all small, slim, very slender. And, uh, and so it was very different. I was looked at in a very different um, way. It was difficult during PE because I couldn't run as fast as everybody else did. And, you know, you're that person who's picked last for softball and kickball and all of those sorts of things. So I had to um, endure that in my school days. Now, outside of school, in my own life, you know, I was loved and I, I had... I wasn't judged the same way, okay? But when I got outside of my bubble, the judgment was fierce. I believe that my mother, my mother was also a full-figured woman. And I believe it was my eighth grade year that she put us both on my first diet. Uh, it was my first experience with a diet. So imagine your eighth grade year and your mom says, hey, you know, we're going to work on losing some weight together and we're going to start, you know, this diet. And here we go. Here's, here's what you can eat and here's what you can't eat. And we're going to lose the weight together. Yeah, right. You know, uh, that didn't work out too well for me. <laughs> uh, I didn't understand the concept of a diet and being restrained. You know, uh, she wanted me to eat cantaloupe and mango. And I didn't even like cantaloupe. I didn't like mango. I didn't like kiwi. You know, all, most of the things that she was wanting me to eat, I didn't even like. Uh, so it was a miserable, miserable time. Then I transitioned into high school. And when I transitioned into high school, uh, we had our, we moved and we moved into the home that my grandparents originally built. We moved into the home to take care of my grandmother who had had a stroke and, and you know needed our care. We moved back into that house. So again, we moved into a different part of the city. And with that, I was able to go to a high school where a lot of my elementary school friends attended. So I went into the high school. And so when I went in, I went in and had quite a few friends. A lot of them happened to be boys because I knew them from my neighborhood where I grew up at. I knew them from my elementary school. And then some of the women that, some of the girls that came to that school, to the high school, I knew them as well. So I already had a built-in 
um, friend base. Okay. We were reunited and it felt so good, but also I was introduced to a whole lot of boys and girls that I was meeting for the very first time. And the boys were actually receptive to me. It was the girls who were the mean girls. Okay. Uh, it was the girls who would, you know, look at me up and down and it's the girls that would call me fat. And it was the girls who would, you know, tell me I, I wasn't going to have a boyfriend. And, you know, I, I couldn't hang with certain girls. They let it be known that they didn't want me in their clique or in their, in their little group or whatever, which was fine because I had my own girlfriends and I didn't need to be in their clique or their group, um, but they didn't have to be so mean about it. And it was very disheartening because I thought that I was a pretty cool girl. I was, I was pretty dope, you know? And those that liked me, liked me. And I didn't understand why you would judge me based on my weight and not even get to know me. And, and so it would become this running thing because girls would say, you know, oh, you're so fat. And after a while, after you've heard that you're fat, you know, uh, I know that I was fat. I, I know that it was not a secret. You know, uh, I had a family member who would call me fat. So uh, I was well aware <laughs> that my weight was not what society considered to be the normal weight. Okay. So I didn't need you or anyone else reminding me that I was fat. When I went to the store to buy clothes, I was reminded that I was fat. Uh, when I had to fit into certain seats and certain things, I was reminded that I was fat. So I did not need <laughs> these girls at my high school to chip in with their two cents. I was well aware of my weight, but they would see fit. And, and so you become, de you become defensive. And I would get into this mode where I would say, uh, well, I may be fat, I can lose weight, but you're ugly and you can't get a new face. You know, you can't fix ugly. You can fix fat, but you can't fix ugly. And I learned how to use my words to fight back. Um, you know, I, I would use them with the best of them and they would come at me trying to hurt my feelings and they'd walk away crying. Uh, by the time I got done. Because anytime you look for negative, you can find it. And I could look at them and I could see negative just like they looked at me and saw that I was fat. I could look at them and see that they had, you know, one finger that was longer than the other finger. You know, they had a wide nose, whatever it may have been that I was able to utilize to hurt them right back. I learned quickly how to do. It was kind of one of those, you know, get off me. You know, I'm just trying to get you off of me. So let me let you know what I think about you and send you on your way. Um, because I didn't feel that I was an unattractive girl. You know, at the time I was, you know, I had long hair, uh, light complected, you know, light was in. Uh, I had these hazel eyes. And I had components that I felt made me an attractive girl. The only thing about me is I was fat. And I don't think that fat is unattractive um, to each their own. And so here you are calling me out on the one area that I'm deficient in, but let me call the role on you, sweetheart. And that's how I began to go through high school. Uh, and so it didn't take long. Eventually, they may have talked behind my back 
but they wouldn't come into my face to call me fat because they knew what they were going to get. We were going to run the list on all of their traits that were unappeasing. <laughs> and that's what we were going to do. Uh, the other thing is I started, you know, playing these games. So the, the girl would come to me and, oh, you're fat and you're this and you're that. And I would show them, let me show you what fat can do. And I would go pull their boyfriend because I, I'm a nice person. I, I have a pretty great personality, a good conversation. And I would go to her boyfriend and nine times out of 10, we were probably already cool anyway, because I had more male friends than I did female friends. And we would go and we would talk and I would begin to talk to them and pay attention to them and provide them with what they were not getting from their thin, slim, uh, pretty girlfriend. And pretty soon their relationship would be on the rocks. And then before you know it, they were hanging out more with me and we were going to the movies and we were talking on the phone and we're passing notes in the hallway and leaving notes in the lockers. And now they're really upset. So now the, the slim girls are really going around the school. Who does she think she is? You know, she's fat. Yeah, but this fat girl is pulling your boy. This fat girl got your, your boyfriend's attention all over here. And it became a game, a very dysfunctional, unhealthy game. But it was one of those gotchas, you know, uh, that is horrible. It's horrible that I had to feel that I had to defend myself because of what somebody else thought about me. Absolutely horrible. Uh, but it's the truth. And it's what happens in this mind game and, and this whole thing that you go through when you're judged based on your appearance, whatever that appearance may be. Mine is my weight. And, uh, but I never had a problem getting a boyfriend. You know, people always want to go to you being fat. You being fat has no problem with you getting a man, with you, you know, being in a relationship, all of those sorts of things. People don't understand that. And, uh, and, and so life would go on. And um, I got through high school and I entered into the workplace. And again, once I entered into the workplace, you know, my first few jobs, you know, I worked my way up and I really didn't run into any type of bias against my weight until I really started moving in the corporate realm. And I started elevating to that middle manager, senior manager, director level. And that's when its ugly head reared. You know, I, I experienced those times as an adult where, you know, uh, one of the companies that I worked for, we had multiple offices, you know, outside of Arizona, which is where I'm based. And I was responsible for those offices. Well, instead of me traveling to the office, they would always 
that when I say they, the senior, senior, the VPs, uh, when meetings were taking place and I needed to be in those meetings, they would always invite me to call into the meeting and to dial into the meeting. I didn't have to always show up to all the meetings in person. And so, of course, I thought that that was you know, pretty cool. I didn't have to travel and do some things. I hadn't got into traveling yet. And, and so I didn't really get what that meant. It was fine with me. Um, but something happened. I uh, had been sick. I had a, a large fibroid tumor that actually grew to be uh, just about 10 pounds. I had to have it removed. With that, I had to have a partial hysterectomy. And so I lost some weight and I rode that momentum and I ended up losing about 120 some odd pounds. It was my biggest weight loss and it took me down to about 160 pounds. So once I got down to that weight, that's when I noticed how different I had been treated in the workplace. Once I got down to that weight, then all of a sudden, the VPs and senior VPs needed my presence. All of a sudden, it wasn't good enough for me to call in. They wanted me to fly out to Ohio. Now I'm in Ohio for weeks at a time. I'm meeting with our auditors and now I'm flying to the office that we had in Texas. And you know we had an office in Noida, India. Now it's important that my presence be known. Now I'm invited to the meetings after the meetings. Now the dinners that take place after the meetings and after the sessions. Now I'm getting invited. I didn't even know those were taking place. I didn't even know that those were happening. But it wasn't until I shifted into a different weight class and I looked different that I now got invited to be in person and to show up. Well, isn't that something? My brain was still working the same way. My thoughts, my leadership, my knowledge, the only thing that changed was my size. The only thing that changed. But how I was treated in the corporate realm completely shifted because of the weight. Now, what's so unfair about that is as women, this is a double standard. As women, when we are fat, fluffy, plus size, thick, you know, all these names that are out there for, for us, um, for women, it's seen as a negative for the most part in mainstream society. Oh, you're fat, you're overweight. People assume that you're unhealthy, they assume you don't exercise. I guess they think you just sit on the couch and eat and that's all that you do. Um, they make a lot of assumptions about who you are and what you do. And based on that, they run with it, okay? Um, and that's unfair because men who are overweight don't always get that same judgment. Society mainstream is much more acceptive of an overweight man versus an overweight woman. You will see an overweight man that women are, are flocking over and, and fondling over because they have looked past his size and they've looked at his personality and what he has to bring to the table. And, and so it's a little easier for him in that manner. 
in the corporate realm, you'll see overweight men and their VPs and they show up in all the rooms and they're there and they're present and they're represented. But the women, it's been a different story. And it has clearly been a double standard. And I have clearly been impacted by that double standard. Now, mine is having too much weight on me, but this can apply there. I know women who are underweight. I know women that are killing themselves trying to gain weight because they're too thin in their own eyesight. Um, you have people who are struggling with the complexion of their skin. You know, I was in um, Antigua in 2016, and I was talking with some women there who they were literally killing themselves trying to change the color of their skin. They were darker complected and they were trying to bleach their skin and lighten their complexions up and it was poisoning them and they were suffering other side effects, but they felt like to be accepted and to get ahead and to be able to make more money to provide for their families that they would have a better opportunity if they were lighter complected. Are you serious? We are so narrow-minded and we are so selfish as a society that we would try to tell people what is unattractive or, or what they should change about themselves that people feel that they have to go to lengths to make these changes to be accepted by mainstream society and not only accept it, but to be able to get ahead and move to the next level. I know several, I mean, I could just like rattle off on both hands uh, people that I know that have gone through bypass surgeries and having all these weight loss surgeries, trying to go in and get the weight off just so they can be accepted in mainstream society, so that they can fit in airplane seats, so that they can buy clothes that they're not charged triple amount because they're a bigger size clothing. Um, a good portion of it is also for their health. You know, just a lot of them may have, you know, pre-diabetes and have some other health issues and they're trying to work on the health issues. But trust me, you can have weight on you and still exercise, still work out, still monitor what you eat. I promise you 70%, 70 to 75% of the reason that people will go through any length and any extreme to alter their outward appearance is to make their lives easier in society because of what you and I think about them. And that is a terrible, terrible way to be toward one another. For me, the journey was not easy. It was very difficult when I was younger. Um, I, I've yo-yo dieted. I, you know, if it's a diet out there, I've been on the diet. Uh, I've tried to do all of those things and it would work and I would drop some weight, but then I would gain weight back at some point in time. Uh, and so then I thought, okay, it's my relationship with food because I am a foodie. I love good food, but I, I like food. I'm not a sweets person. I don't sit around and eat a lot of sweets. Um, I, I, you know, I'm not even a chocolate lover. Okay. Uh, so I don't eat a lot of sweets. I, I actually like healthier food, but I like good food. 
And, you know, I, I was taught how to cook Southern food, even though I'm not from the South. Um, but, you know, give me a, a smothered uh, a gravy, smothered pork chop and some yams and some greens and some great mashed potatoes. And I'm like, in seventh heaven, I'm a meat and potatoes girl. I don't like all the fluff. Okay. Uh, so you can keep, you know, you can keep the candies and I don't drink soda. I'm a water girl. You know, you can keep all that kind of stuff, all the empty calorie type stuff. You can keep that, but I am a meat and potatoes girl and you give me a good meal and I am in seventh heaven. Okay. I love good cooking. I love good tasting food. Uh, and so sometimes I have an issue with portion control. And, and so I had to start looking at my relationship with food. And one of the things that I realized is that I had a wonderful long-term relationship with food, thanks to my mother. You know, my mother was a great cook. She introduced us to a lot of different foods, a variety of foods. And my mother celebrated all things with a great meal. If she was happy, she celebrated. If she was sad, she used food. If something great happened, it was centered around food. You know, we had our, our family dinners, our Sunday dinners. You know, we would go out. She introduced us early to fine dining. I mean, everything that we did centered around food. So that translated into me being an emotional eater. It doesn't matter if it's a great emotion, if it's a not so great emotion, no matter what it is, you know, if I got promoted on the job, we were going to go out and, and have a great dinner. You know, if, if uh, my boyfriend broke up with me and I was crying the blues, then it was going to be around food. Okay. I was going to cry in the food. I was probably going to go and, and cook some short ribs over rice and make some homemade cornbread and have this great meal. As I think about this person who broke my heart, you know, uh, everything is surrounding by food. So I had to look at my relationship with food and, and start revamping that relationship. The other thing that I had to resolve is that regardless of my weight, I could still exercise. I could still walk. I could still get in on the elliptical and the treadmill and I could still weight train and I could still do all of those things um, because that helps you be healthy. Exercise is an important component to our health. And that's one of the things that I did is I started incorporating exercise. So most people may look at my, my size and think, oh, she's on the couch. Um, but every day I work out, you know, every day I get in at least a minimum of 30 minutes of cardio and then whatever other exercise I add to it. And that's for sure five days a week. Um, some weeks it may be six days a week. I, there's been weeks where it's been all seven, okay? Um, but at least five days a week, um, you know, I make sure I get my 10,000 steps in um, or so close to it, you know, that I can just like throw a dart, you know, it's one o'clock in the morning and I just can't step anymore. It's time to go to bed. <laughs> uh, but all of those things are very important. You know, I, I've learned to monitor my, my blood pressure because I have, when I'm under a lot of stress, my blood pressure shoots up. And so I've learned to monitor my, my blood pressure and to be cognizant of what I'm eating and how much I'm eating so that I'm healthy. Irregardless of what the scale says, I need to live at my healthiest, um, most vibrant 
level in life. And yes, if I'm portion controlling, I'm exercising, my weight tends to come down and I tend to be on the smaller size. If I stop exercising, uh, if I get a little reckless, if I eat too many uh, oxtails and rice with peas and all that kind of stuff, then my weight creeps right back up. So I understand that I have to always be mindful of my body and what is going on. Um, just like you may have someone who is an alcoholic and they're saying I'm an alcoholic for life and they have to always be concerned around drinking and not drinking and protecting their environment. I am a foodie, I love food. And with that, I have to always be aware of what I'm eating and how much of it I'm eating and how I'm taking care of my temple and how I'm taking care of my body and what I'm putting into it. Um, but for people who don't even know me to try to determine what I'm doing and what I'm not doing, number one, it's not your place. No, ma'am, no, sir. Uh, and if you haven't had a conversation with me, then you shouldn't make those assumptions and those judgments uh, right down to this podcast. So the, um, the episode that I titled, I believe it's episode 102, uh, Where Are All the Good Men At? Great episode. If you have not listened to that episode, go check it out. Where are all the good men at? We're looking, we're looking. Uh, it's a great episode. It may not quite be what you think it is based on the topic. So you got to go check it out. Uh, it's my perspective. And I typically have a, a different perspective on some things uh, than what the mainstream perspective is. Uh, and sometimes my perspective is right on target with the mainstream. But out of all the comments made about that particular episode, a gentleman decided to say, all the men in the gym, all the men are in the gym, obviously, which you are not, okay? What makes you think I'm not in the gym? See, I'm a girl who works out. I work out. So your statement is actually false because I'm in the gym. <laughs> and so if there's a good man to be met in the gym, I'm going to meet him. Uh, I actually, to the point to where I, I set up a workout uh, room in my home, you know, so I brought in my own treadmill and my uh, workout machines and everything that I needed. So I wouldn't have an excuse not to work out if I don't feel like going out and going to a gym. I have it in my home. It served me well during the pandemic when we couldn't go to the gym, I could still work out. I just had to walk down my hallway and get it in, okay? Uh, and, and so we make these judgments about people based on appearance. Uh, I'm talking about weight, but this applies to whatever the appearance may be. Uh, we have people who have damaged their teeth and their mouths, but because their teeth may not look the way that we would want them to look, then we make them feel bad about their situation. People have conditions. There's viruses, there's diseases, there's all types of, of things out there that can contribute to a person's outer appearance. I would love for us to get to a place where <clears throat> we could just be kind one to another and we do not have to let our opinions about other people's appearances be made known. Uh, why, what is the harm in encouraging another person and just saying, I see you, keep living your best life, keep doing you. 
you know, hey, sis, you look really great in that. You know, maybe she's a size two and you would prefer somebody to be fuller, but that doesn't mean that she's not killing her size two outfit. Or you may see a woman who is a size 22 and she's killing her size 22 outfit. Now you may not choose to be a size 22. You may not even be attracted to a size 22, but that doesn't mean that she's not being fabulous over there in all of her glory. And how dare you want to rain on her parade. And now she has to learn how to dance in the rain because you've created this scenario based on you making a judgment about this person. You gotta be careful about judging because just like you judge others, you can be judged as well. According to the word, none of us are perfect. No, not one. So we all got something that's a part of us that's not our most attractive feature. But if somebody is always pointing out that feature, you know, what happens? It gets magnified. It gets magnified. So all in all, you know, this is a subject we talk about body image. It's becoming more prevalent. Yes, we're seeing more plus size models. Yes, we're seeing more plus size actors and actresses. We're seeing them on the screen. Uh, it's becoming more visible. There was a day in time where, you know, I may not see somebody like me on a movie screen or a TV screen. Um, so it's becoming more visible. But we also have to continue to have the conversation and understand how we truly impact one another when we focus on each other's outward adornment, each, of, each other's outward appearance. How are you really making that person feel? And why do you feel that you need to put somebody else down? Is it to make you feel better about yourself? That would tell me that you have some self-work that you may need to do on yourself. Uh, are there people that I see that I may say, oh, that's not you know, my preference? Absolutely, but that has nothing, zero, nada, nothing at all to do with their value or their worth. They may not be my preference, but they are still a valuable man or a woman. Their worth, their contribution to our society, to our world is an enormous contribution. We need them, which is why they are here, okay? Uh, and so for me to put my, my preference on somebody else is very irresponsible to, to, to our community as a citizen. It's irresponsible citizenship is what I call it. Irresponsible citizenship. Allow each other, embrace our differences. Allow each other to be different. God created us all to be different. You know, I don't want a million or two billion Sharices running around here. I'm unique. I'm different. I have been set apart. You know, it can only be one. <laughs> it can only be one of me running around out here in these streets, okay? And I'm proud to be different. I'm proud that you're different. We all are unique. We all bring something different to the table. We all bring something different to relationships. We all bring a different perspective, different views. We all bring different looks, different swags. I love to see people just 
embracing their uniqueness and who they are and showing up in the world, showing up in the space and all of their glory. I absolutely positively love it. And that's what diversity is. It's okay for all of us to be different. It's okay for us to look different, smell different, talk different. You know, th that's another component. You know, I, unfortunately, uh, when I was young, I, I sucked all three of these fingers. Why I couldn't just suck a thumb, I don't know. But I sucked all three of those fingers. So my teeth grew wide, so I have this gap, right? And my mother got braces for me, but back in my day, the braces look very different than they do now. So I had these clunky braces in my mouth with all of these wires. And then because I had this gap, I had to wear this retainer that went around the outside and hooked around my head. Now, you know, good and well, I was not wearing that to school. And in high school, I also had a job. I was not wearing that on the job, okay? So I didn't wear it. So it didn't really correct my, my overbite. It didn't pull my teeth back in. Uh, so I talk with a lisp. And I've even had people make fun of my lisp. You know, for years, I went to a speech therapist and, you know, all of these sorts of things. Because again, it's what other people thought about my lisp. And then the mandate that God places on my life calls me to be a speaker. I was like, are you serious? You want me to get up and talk in front of people with this lisp? <laughs> really? Okay, that's interesting, Lord. Um, but that's what I've been called to. And that's what I do. And I do it to the best of my ability. Uh, but have I had people call me out? Yes, on social media, I've had people call out my list. Really, out of everything that you heard me say, out of everything that transpired, your only comment is about my list. Can we be a little bit more intelligent? Can we bring a little bit more value to the table, to the conversation? Uh, I challenge us to look at the value that we can bring. Um, people who have um, flaws that are that you can see from the outside they already know that if you have a person who is fat who is overweight they know that if you have somebody with a lisp and they have an overbite an underbite they know that if you have somebody who is cross-eyed or you know one eye is droopy and the other eye is up they are well aware. They don't need you to point it out and they don't need you to judge them. They are well aware of what is going on with their bodies. They already know. Our job should really be to empower and to elevate one another. You know, to say, look, you may be cross-eyed, but you are still killing the game and what you're doing. We, we appreciate you. And how can I support you? You know, point out the good. Let, let's look at the good. Let's look at the fact that this cross-eyed person may be the next president. This cross-eyed person may be the person who's finding the cure 
for cancer. This cross-eyed person may be undertaking, you know, something in our community that's going to be a game changer and be able to cause our communities to live at a, a different level, okay? Uh, you don't know the value that's inside of a person that you can be dousing, that you could be tearing down because of your judgment of their outward appearance. So the fat of the matter is that fat doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what size I am. It doesn't matter how tall, how short. It doesn't matter how wide, how thin. It doesn't matter how light complected, dark complected, or in between. What matters is what's on the inside. See, my pastor preaches a sermon that I love that he talks about the contents of an envelope. So you have a envelope and, you know, it, for those that are listening, you can't see, but for those who are watching, I'm holding an envelope. So I have this envelope and you receive this envelope in the mail. When you get the envelope, you don't just get happy and satisfied with the envelope alone, do you? No, you get the envelope and what do we do? We tear into the envelope. And why do we tear into the envelope? Because we want the contents. What we want is what's inside of the envelope. What's valuable is what's on the inside of this envelope, okay? It's not the envelope. I'm gonna toss the envelope. I'm gonna throw the envelope away, but I'm gonna keep what was inside the envelope because it's the content that matters. It's what was on the inside of that envelope that was valuable. It was what was on the inside of the envelope that's gonna go forth. That is what needs to stand on its own. That's gonna be the game changer. That's gonna be the wonderful thing. The envelope is gonna be long and gone, but the content of the envelope is what I'm gonna treasure and what I'm gonna hold on to. It's no different than us. Beauty fades. This outer envelope, this outer shell through the years, it is going to undergo so much. You know, we get scrapes and bruises. We have accidents. We fall down. We get back up. You know, we have hair. We lose our hair. You know, we have eyebrows. We don't have eyebrows. You know, things happen. You, we had black hair. Now we start seeing gray hairs. You know, we have blonde hair. Now we start seeing gray hairs. Things happen, right? You know, one boob grows in thicker than the other. Now you got lopsided boobs. You, things happen. You know, you're, you're cutting something and you cut off the tip of your finger. Now you're missing a finger. Uh, you get into an accident and one leg ends up because your spine shifts. And now you have one leg longer than the other. Things happen to this outer container that we cannot always control. You know, you, there's diseases, people get cancer and they lose weight and they gain weight and they take medications that make them gain weight and some medications make you lose weight. You know, all of these things happen. And so this outer container can change. Whatever this is, it may not be this way forever. Matter of fact, I, I promise you, it will not look this way forever. Your outer container, your outer shell will change. But what's on the inside is what will live forever. What's on the inside of you, what's in your heart, what's in your spirit, what's in your mind, that's what's valuable. That's what we need 
from you in the community. That's what the workplace needs from you. That's your contribution to life, to this earth, is what's on the inside of you, not what's on the outside of you. That's the fact of the matter. So I encourage you to be done with the dumb stuff. You know, if you're the person who's tearing down people who don't look like you, stop it. Shame on you. Go get you some life. Go do what you need to do on the inside of you. Do a self-evaluation on you. And you may find that there's some things about you that you don't like, which is why you have a need to put others down to lift yourself up and make yourself feel better. And if you're the person um, being made to feel that you're less than, hear my voice and hear me loud. Matter of fact, let me see if I can get closer to this mic. Hear me when I say, irregardless of your flaws, you are perfect. God created you. He created you to be who you are. He created you to look the way that you look, to talk the way that you talk, to think the way that you think. And you are perfect with all of your flaws. You are perfectly flawed. And don't allow anyone to try to dim your shine so they can shine brighter. You continue to shine bright like a diamond and continue to focus what's on the inside of your package, what's on the inside, because that's what matters. Nurture what's on the inside of you. Now, I'm not telling you, be a good steward. Take care of your body. We only got one. So do the best to take care of this shell that you are just leasing while you're here, because it's going to leave, it's going to go away, okay? But take care of it to the best of your ability. But don't lose your life. Don't stop living. Don't allow years to go by. You all, I I can go back in peers. I can take you through pictures of, uh, of when I was small. I did not smile because of my overbite, because my teeth didn't close. I hated my smile. My smile. Uh, I saw everybody else in their beautiful smile. So I didn't smile. I had pictures, pictures galore without me smiling. I did not smile in my first picture until I was 40 years old. And I said, to heck with it. I'm not gonna keep going through life not smiling because you may not like my smile, because you may not like my teeth. I'm gonna laugh, I'm gonna smile, I'm gonna enjoy, I'm gonna live my life and I'm gonna live it out loud and I'm gonna be happy about it. I don't have to have your smile. I don't have to have the best smile. I have my smile. And I'm going to smile and I'm going to have a great time. And if you don't like that thing, you go ahead and take that up within yourself. I don't have time to be concerned or stuck on your opinions and your judgments and what you're thinking. I'm over here busy living my best life. And that's what I encourage you to do as well. I, I just hope today that as you listen to this episode, that you be encouraged and that you know that no matter what is going on in your life, no matter what someone may want you to feel about yourself, know who you are, who God has created you to be, and be comfortable in your skin. Embrace your skin. Love yourself. When you love yourself, others, you teach others how to treat you, and they will begin 
to love on you. You will attract and draw people who love you, who appreciate you, who see you for who you are, who see you for who you are. Those people will be attracted to you. They will feel your atmosphere with their love and their respect and their support. So love yourself and love yourself out loud. Thank you for joining me for today's Done With The Dumb Stuff. I appreciate you. This is your girl, Sharice L. Irby, and I will talk to you next week on our next episode. You have been listening to Done With The Dumb Stuff, hosted by Sharice L. Irby. Please connect with Sharice on Instagram as Sharice Speaks and like, subscribe, and turn on your YouTube notifications on her YouTube channel, Sharice Speaks. If you would like to purchase your I'm Done With The Dumb Stuff t-shirt or any other t-shirt that you may have seen Sharice wearing, visit notnowapparel.shop, notnowapparel.shop, and check out their statement tees. Show the world how you really feel. Use your voice through your statement t-shirts. Now, please catch up on your previous episodes of Done With The Dumb Stuff until you chat again next week with Next Level Success Coach, Sharice L. Irby. Blessings.